What is good, everyone, and welcome to the We Just Talk Wrestling podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm here with Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. We have a loaded show for you guys today, but as always, we will break down the weekly shows, going over any stories from all the different promotions. We will be listing our top five favorite match types in the history of pro wrestling. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WJTW19 and give us a five-star rating or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. So, Dylan, what caught your eye in wrestling this week? So, Kyle, my new story this week is a... is a nice one. It's a sweet story. Um, I wanted to congratulate Andrade El Idolo and Charlotte Flair on their uh, marriage that happened this week. So kudos to the happy couple. They've been together for a while and they've been engaged for a little bit. This is apparently why Charlotte has taken time away from WWE is for not only her wedding, but also her honeymoon. So uh, kudos to them. Nothing, nothing too crazy this week. As far as me, just wanted to, just wanted to give the happy couple a nice little, uh, nice little shout out. I thought you were gonna do the uh, the WWE move in venues. I thought you, I thought um, hundred million percent you were gonna do that one. Well, but... um, a um, little foreshadowing that uh, does tie in with my dummy moment this week. Okay, okay. So but we that... will, we will touch on that. Don't oh, worry, okay. we'll get. There. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. No, but as far as that goes, I'm glad for the both of them. I love Andrade. Charlotte does some great stuff in WWE. So. Uh, Kudos to them, and uh, hopefully a lot of success in their future. But, Dylan, this week, my new story will highlight the NWA. Mm-hmm. June 11th, the longtime company will hold its always-ready pay-per-view. Though will be main evented by Matt Cardona defending his NWA world title against Nick Aldis. Um, it's supposed to be a either a steel cage or a death match. I think... Uh, they're going to, I think Nick's going to have a match with somebody and whoever wins gets picked stipulation. Um, other matches fell in the car consist of Camille defending her NWA women's title against Kylan King, Jax Dane versus Chris Adonis, AKA uh, Chris Masters. Taya Valkyrie will be in singles action as well. The NWA is now a promotion that gets a lot of time to shine. So I'm really hoping the buy rate for this pay per view is high so they can continue mm-hmm. to chase a big, tv deal that i really think they deserve they've they've done a lot of really cool stuff over the last couple of years i know like a lot of people say it's 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 an old promotion that's like i guess past its days there is a lot of nostalgia around nwa um and i'm really excited to see this kind of uphill climb they've been on the last couple of years you've you've highlighted them numerous times on this show uh-huh. um and you know how much I love Matt Cardona, and Nick Aldis is, is a fucking pro, too. So that'll be a banger of a match, I think. Oh, yeah, um, that's – oh, yeah, that main event. Whew. But, yeah, they're doing some really good stuff. So uh, for those listening, if you don't check them out, like, please do so. Like, make it part of your routine. They do some really cool stuff over there. Um, I think it's still free on their YouTube, but you can uh, you can subscribe to them on Fight TV. They have, like, their own little package. You can watch all of their stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. definitely a lot of ways that you can check them out, support them. Might have, have to buy that. Oh yeah, I uh, I had it for a little bit. Uh, recently, I've been watching it on YouTube, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's you, there's a lot of cool stuff on there, and uh, Matt Cardona has been on there a lot. Yep. So uh, any fans of him, go check it out. And all the rest of their uh, wrestlers are fantastic there. They got, but a, they got a great roster over there. They really they do. Have a, they have a and it's and it's growing. So yes. I hope. Uh, I hope there's even more wrestlers that go uh, get there's, them. There's still some big free agents. Hey, Cesaro hasn't signed anywhere yet. So. Whew, that would be massive for yeah. them to get started. He, he, he would fit that, I think. He would fit that style. Him and uh, Nick Aldis. That Aldous. throwback, yes. Woo! Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so we're going to go to AEW. So we're going to start with Rampage. Ruby Soho defeated Chris Statlander to Chris Statlander to advance in the finals of the Owen Hart tournament. Stupid. And this seemed to really upset the fans, Dylan, because she <laughs> literally got go-away heat, and they were hot for Chris Statlander. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, the best match on Friday was Brian Danielson defeating Matt Seidel. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> in a very entertaining match. We know how great Danielson is, but Dude, Matt Seidel was just holding his own, and everything just clicked. Um, I, I'm glad we also know that Danielson's going to be good to go for Sunday, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad we got that news as well, and he looks great. Uh, going to Dynamite, Wardlow beats John Spears inside steel cage with MJF as a special guest referee. Not much of a match, but it was still pretty entertaining, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britt Baker advances to the finals after beating Tony Storm, and in my opinion, this match didn't do anything for me. Uh, Swerve Strickland beats Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy. Phenomenal triple threat match. If you have not watched it, please go uh, and watch it. That was great. Uh, Samoa Joe defeated Kyle O'Reilly to advance to the finals to take on Adam Cole this Sunday. There's only one thing I'm going to talk about this week. Samoa Joe. Well, I I guess I have one more then. Okay, so Samoa Joe (laughs) defeated Kyle O'Reilly to it. Also, wait, did I already say that? Yes, you did. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, had, I had it two times on my notes here for some reason, but there's only one thing I want to talk about. FTR taking on Rapungi Vice for the ROH World Tag Team titles. The match was interrupted by the United Empire. The Great Ocon and my guy, Jeff Cobb. Wasn't all pretty, but this sets up United Empire versus FTR for the IWGP Tag Titles at Forbidden Door. That will be an absolute war, and I am so thrilled for it. And Jeff Cobb's finally going to get uh, his time to shine. I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, Kyle said that he wasn't going to watch Forbidden Door unless this match happened. And now so, it's on, so I'm watching. Yeah, so um, it's it's made official. And then Kyle texted me today that he is definitely coming over to my house for Forbidden Door. Yeah, so, I'm not missing Jeff Cobb. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun match. I thought AEW was – very up and down this week. I I love Chris Stat, uh, Statlander, and I, I wish she would have won as much as I like Ruby Soho, but that was just a bad move, in my um, opinion. The, the Samoa Joe Kyle O'Reilly, for some reason, I had it twice on my notes here, but it was still really, really good. Yeah, um, that was that, that so, was a fun match, and him yeah. and Cole, I think, are going to be really entertaining so, um, if given I, proper time. I agree with you. Um, back to Statlander. I did not like the alien gimmick. This more serious gimmick, yeah. fantastic. It's amazing. Soho, Soho I, I don't. I, I just don't see it. I, I like. I I don't see the money that other people see in her. Um, Statlander versus Brits already happened. So mm-hmm. if Statlander was to win, you should have had Storm win, and Statlander and Storm would have been phenomenal. It's just weird booking, which is probably going to set up Brit winning. Um, yeah. and then maybe Britt even having a match at Forbidden Door. I don't know what's going to happen, but a very up and down week for AEW could have been better. But uh, there's still a lot of good. Uh, who who would you who would you have Britt face at Forbidden Door? Um, who I think or who I want? Uh, I guess both. Who I want will be Utami from Stardom, mm-hmm. and who I think 
they'll probably have Mayu Iwatani come from stardom. Okay. It's going to be someone from stardom. It's going to be. It's have to be. So yeah. I think you got to do the icon of stardom, Mayu, because I think she's probably, besides Kyrie, um, probably the most recognizable name. So mm-hmm. I think it will be Mayu. And I think she might even show up tomorrow night. Don't what happens. Could see a nice little like stare down at the end of the uh, tournament final. That'd be kind of cool. If they have Brit beat Mayu, I'm <sighs> anyway. Uh, speaking of great, uh, <laughs> we're going to go to Dylan with the WWE news. Yes. Yeah, yep. Uh, I have, a, I have one thing to say about SmackDown, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll save that. Um, so raw was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ezekiel did defeat Chad Gaba, uh, Gaba, Jesus, Gable. <laughs> dude, dude, we're both out of control today. <laughs> Chad Gable, uh, with a roll up, uh, Gable was distracted when Otis and Kevin Owens were ejected from ringside. That's how Ga- uh, Ezekiel was able to roll him up. After the match, Owens did challenge Ezekiel to a match at Hell in a Cell because he was pissed off that Chad Gable couldn't get the job done. He's like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Um, so I'm super stoked to see Kevin Owens and Ezekiel, shockingly, at Hell in a Cell. I hope I get a Kevin Owens promo to before that match starts because he's been gold for this whole mid-card, low-card feud that they've had. Uh, Cody Rhodes did defeat The Miz via DQ after... Once again, Seth Rollins interfered. Um, this was the match itself wasn't too much to write home about. I mean, Cody Rhodes basically dominated the match, in my opinion. Um, and it just set up, you know, this this was the go home or no, it's not the go home show. Actually, it's next week. Jeez, uh, we're all over the place. I know now. it's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Show's going off the rails, brother. Um, but yeah, I mean, we already know Cody and Seth are going to be meeting inside the cell, so this is just furthering the story. And poor Miz just being a pawn in, yeah, in the middle Miz. of it. Yep. Um, not much to write home about. Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest did defeat the team of AJ Styles and Liv Morgan. To my knowledge, as of today, there isn't anything set between Judgment Day and the Styles Balor Morgan uh, team yet mm-hmm. for Hell in a Cell. I'm still predicting it'll be Edge, Priest, Styles, and um, Balor. And then Morgan and Rhea will probably have a one-on-one match, but don't be shocked if they're just at ringside for that tag match. But nothing's set yet. But they're clearly planning something. And finally, so there was another match between Becky Lynch and Asuka. Becky Lynch argued that since Asuka won with the green mist in the face that she deserved another shot to insert herself in the women's title match, which Adam Pearce then grants. Uh, He says, if you beat Asuka tonight, you will be added to the match and it'll be a triple threat match. Becky Lynch did win via roll-up, so she didn't necessarily beat Asuka clean. There was a lot of stuff going on outside of the ring where Belair was. Um... So Asuka kind of got distracted. Lynch wins with roll-up. We now have a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell. Man, I just don't Which, care about this match at all. Thankfully, I don't think it's going to be inside the cell. Hopefully they save Not that yet. for something that's worth it. Yep. Because I don't think this triple threat is worth it. But we'll see what happens. Um, that's pretty much the gist of Raw. Do you have any comments before I move to SmackDown? Um, so I have one thing to say about SmackDown, but 
I, I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think it's very predictable that Oscar's only there to take the pin because they're going to do Bianca Becky very shortly again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Oscar's only there to take the pin. So Bianca's going to win. She's going to take the pin. And then they're going to follow that storyline. And then Asuka's unfortunately going to be left behind. I just don't get the 50-50 booking here. It doesn't mm-hmm. let anyone look strong. It just makes everyone look weak besides Bianca. Just, you know, sitting there at ringside. I don't, I just, I, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. Yeah. I feel like there was a better way to set up a triple threat match. But remember, this is still kind of off the heels of what happened with the Sasha Naomi walkout. So, makes you wonder if this was their plan all along i would assume it was but like you said last week like didn't you read that naomi or, to be, or, uh, or sasha was supposed to pin naomi in that match naomi was supposed to pin sasha sasha okay. was gonna face ronda and naomi was gonna face bianca and then both sasha and naomi were gonna lose but i hmm. but besides I, I'm, I'm trying to think i think that triple threat will be better than both matches yep i agree but I'm still um, not excited about it. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to SmackDown. Oh, my God, next. Let's just cut to write what I think Kyle wants to talk about. So, Ronda Rousey faced Raquel Rodriguez. Smiling. The match, yes. <laughs> the match ended in a no contest after Natalia and Shayna Baszler attacked them. So, this is planting the seeds of a dream feud that Kyle and I have been begging for. But uh, the team of Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez defeated Natalia and Shayna Baszler after Rodriguez pinned Shayna Baszler. So, so what was dream, the point of that? So that dream feud's not happening. No. We're not getting Rousey and Baszler. We're going to get Rousey and Rodriguez, which I'm sure will be fine. We've seen it twice. But, yeah. Like, when you're, when you're making it just random matches on TV, it makes me it, – it, it's hard for a fan to get invested into something – they're getting for free on TV. Like, why tune into, you know, the pay per view? Baszler's the money here. I think so. Just, I think just so. let her run with it. But you, you made all you made that stare down mean nothing because you mm-hmm. had her lose in one move. Yep. I, I could, I, I could have kicked out of that move. I'm just saying. But going. Oh. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods with Drew McIntyre defeated Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Pete Dunne. I refuse to call him by that stupid name. And is that um, SmackDown? Yes, this is still on SmackDown. And finally, so the Usos came out to celebrate their unification of the tag yep. titles. Oh, boy. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> came out <laughs> and said that he still got some beef with the Usos after WrestleMania with Rick Boogs getting hurt. Um, and Nakamura was like, me and my partner are going to beat you guys for the tag titles. Um, and the Usos are like, what partner? Your partner fucking snapped his knee in half at WrestleMania. Like, he, he doesn't exist. Well, out comes Riddle. So Riddle and Nakamura are now a tag team <laughs> because Randy Orton has been written off TV, I assume, in just a kayfabe thing. Yeah. To me, this just seems like it's something to keep Riddle involved with the bloodline until Randy gets back on TV. Yeah. Um, and they'll finally have their blow off. I've read some rumors about WWE's plans for the summer. We can go over that in a little bit if you want. Um, yeah. So this is all for nothing, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
That's a this, that's that's SmackDown. This that's, has no long term value. No, no. Nope, Riddle um, and Nakamura are not going. It, they, they tease that they're going to challenge for the tag titles, but, they're but not. no, because RK Bro is still a thing. Like Randy's going to come back on TV I I, soon. Like uh, unless unless someone knows something that I don't. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about his injury angle being legitimate. No. So, but yeah. but but I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Um, but yeah, so don't, I, I turned on, so I watched the Shayna stuff. I turned it off, mm-hmm. but then I tuned in. So, so, uh, Humberto and Angel Garza had a, I don't know if you saw this. Yes. So they came out, they had a match with, uh, hard body Mahal and, and, and Shanky uh, Shanky Dylan. I love Angel Garza. Humberto's good. You know how I feel about uh, gender hard body. Mm-hmm. This was a top three worst segment I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> what what was the point of this? It was three guys trying to dance and impress the ring announcer. Jinder yes. Mahal was the only one that wanted to win, and then he gets squashed in a few minutes. And then you, the whole yeah. purpose was for Shanky to turn face by dancing. This yeah. was one of the worst things I I, I almost threw up. This was one of the worst things I have ever seen in my life, and they should be 100% ashamed of themselves. This whole SmackDown is in contention for the worst one I've ever seen. It was hard. It was embarrassing. Well, I wasn't, gonna, I, I wasn't going to cover that part of the show. I left it out for a reason, but Kyle said, fuck it. You know, it's he, embarrassing. He, hey, I'm, they should I'm, be ashamed of themselves for this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. What was the point of that? Kyle's <laughs> heated right now. Week. Nah, he th- said, they should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> All right, what, what was the what was the good out of it? Can you just a couple things? All right, so let's move on. Yeah. Let's get to the indie segment with Kyle. <laughs> it was on this SmackDown, dude. SmackDown is literally worse than uh, than any indies that I have covered. So that that makes you wonder who and why uh, this ever happened. But. So we're going to go into the indies this week. Dylan, you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So this week I'll be highlighting Cottage Hills Pro Wrestling based out of Bethalto, Illinois. This show was about two and a half hours long. I will only be talking about some of the action. Uh, we had Sophia Sombra successfully defend her national championship in a triple threat match against both members of New Foundation. The Buff and the Brave beat Bulletproof in tag action. The Warriors defeated Dragon's Guild in tag action with a sweet discus lariat for the win. Probably my favorite match of the night. That ruled. Logan Simmons beat Sean Valiant after making him pass out. And in the main event, Damian Blackwell faced Angelo Grimsley. I loved how great of a heel Angelo was in this contest, playing the crowd like, one instance, he was teasing a suicida, but then just started laughing and just stopped. Whenever Blackwell got the upper hand, he was immediately brought down by Grimsley. There was a lot of good balance between in and out of the ring in here. But in the end, due to interference, Grimsley was dragged onto Blackwell for the cover and the victory. Very fun. Just an overall really good show here. My MVP goes to Sophia Sombra. She always puts herself in a in the right place to capitalize on her opponent's mistakes. It just oozes charisma. So go check out CHPW 
on YouTube. They have some really good stuff coming. I'm looking forward to it. And that is Cottage Hills Pro Wrestling. And my MVP is Sophia Sombra. Cool stuff. Where did you say they were based out of again? Bethalto, Illinois. I just wanted to hear you struggle with Bethalto again. That was entertaining. I've never me. heard it. I, I used to live in Illinois. I've never heard of this. Never heard of it once. No? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we will be sure to tag both the promotion and the MVP this week like we always do. Um, so you guys can go follow them, give them some love. Uh, there's a lot of good wrestling out there outside of the mainstream stuff, and we try and highlight it as much as possible. So please give them a like and a follow as we tag them. Yep. And, uh, Don, would you like to go into the uh, This Day in History segment? Yes, sir. So, we're recording this episode. Let me check the calendar. The 28th of May. The 28th of May. I'm actually going to do May 27th because something very interesting happened on May 27th. Perfect. Um, so, I'm going to – I'm kind of cheating the system. By the time this episode comes out, <coughs> I, this – Segment will technically be two days old, I guess. You can do whatever but, you want. But, hey, I make the fucking rules around here. So, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. May 27th, 1988. Okay. The IWGP Champion Series in, oh boy, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Sendai, Japan? Sendai, yep. Okay. Uh, Owen Hart defeated Hiroshi Haste to become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. In 1994, AAA Triple Mania 2 took place in Tijuana, Mexico. Wow, 2. On, yes. On the show, Blue Panther defeated Octagon by forfeit to win the Mexican National Middleweight Championship. And then Octagon. in the main event, your guy Conan mm. defeated Jake Roberts in a hair versus hair two out of three falls match. He won two to nothing, and Jake Roberts got his head shaved. Nice. In 1996, this is why I wanted to do May 27th, by the way. In 1996, this was the first ever two-hour edition of WCW Monday Nitro. All Hmm. Nitros up to this point were one hour. The reason why this is very impactful and very important is because it featured one of the greatest debuts in wrestling history. In the middle of a match between the Mauler and Steve Dahl, One Scott Hall casually hopped over the barricade and cut a promo telling the crowd, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. You want a war, you got one. And a lot of people thought this was a legit invasion angle from the WWE to WCW. They were embroidered in the Monday Night Wars at this time. Come to find out, it actually was just to set up the very, very great angle of the 90s with the rise of the NWO Mm -hmm. with coming over and then aligning themselves with Hulk Hogan and virtually taking over pro wrestling. Couldn't go anywhere in the 90s without seeing an NWO t-shirt. Nope. So definitely one of the most impactful wrestling moments, I think, ever. Oh, yeah. Um, In 2002, there was an edition of Monday Night Raw that was out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. The main event of the show, Rob Van Dam defeated Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match to win the Intercontinental Championship. Good stuff. Good stuff, Zach. Gotta love that. Uh, And finally, in 2018, Ring of Honor held an event in England. This was a jam-packed show 
Uh, we've got Hangman Page defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi by pinfall. Cody defeated Scorpio Sky. Cody Rhodes, by the way, that's when he was still going by just Cody because WWE wouldn't let him use the Rhodes name, even though that is his fucking name, basically. Um, Jay Lethal defeated Matt Taven. And Kenny King teamed with Toru Yano to defeat Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Very jam-packed show. Oh, yeah. There. Uh, but anyway, also, uh, birthdays that I want to give a shout-out to. Natalia's birthday is May 27th, and Eric Bischoff's birthday is May 27th. So that is May 27th day in wrestling history. Good stuff there. Yeah, that WCW changed wrestling forever. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, really, really good stuff there. And uh, we uh, continue to love these two segments. But it is now time for my Power 5 ranking segment. Dylan, are you ready for this week? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Number five goes to Stardom's Tom Nakano. She is becoming one of the most popular wrestlers on the roster from her charm that connects with the fans to her top-notch ring work. Nakano took a loss in six-woman tag action, but came back with a great performance as her and the Cosmic Angels took God's eye to the brink, ending in a 15-minute time limit. I love the way she sells. Her spinning heel kick is perfection. Nakano is someone to keep your eye on because I think she is going to have a great next six months to close out 2022. Number four is MLW's Davey Richards. What do we, this guy had facing Eddie Kingston was close to beating Alexander Hammerstone for the FSW title, taking Gregory Sharp to the time limit in defeating Danny Rivera all in one week. He has been on a roll in MLW for the last few weeks and even cut a promo saying that he is coming after Alex Kane in the open weight title. I love how unselfish this guy is being at the point of his career and helping the younger talent and making them look like stars. So number three, Dylan, is Homicide. Talk about a guy under the radar. Homicide is performing at a top level right now. He successfully defended his NWA World Junior title, and he was able to retain his outlaw wrestling title over the great Chavo Guerrero. This is a guy who has... Recently faced John Moxley, Austin Aries, Doug Williams in the Briscoes. He's at the top of his game right now. It is fair to say his best stuff was in TNA, but even at 45 years old, he's still carrying younger talent than he is, and even the ones that are older than him as well. And he's holding so many titles from all, all kinds of different promotions around the world. So homicide number three. Number two goes to Robbie Eagles. Eagles is 3-3 three and three in the New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Juniors right now for Block B. But his match with El Fantasmo, to me, could possibly be up for match of the year. This is someone who is motivated and wants to take the wrestling world by storm. He is the perfect mix of strong style and high flying. His springboard drop kicks are so clean, especially when he does them to target the knee. Listen, I don't think he's going to win the Super Juniors, but along with his matches with TJP and Master Watto, he has had an incredible week and deserves the number two spot. But, Dylan, my number one goes to Ace Austin. Mm-hmm. Try, to find a, try to find a wrestler that had a better week than Ace Austin. That's right, you can't. Austin teamed with the legendary Tiger Mask. He defeated Yo, Alex Zane, and Ishimori in the same week. As soon as his name was released for the the best of the Super Juniors, 
I knew he was going to break out, and that's exactly what he's done. For someone who's considered a cruiserweight, this is a this guy is an absolute machine. I absolutely love when he does the handstand on the apron, turns it into a kick or a hurricane rana combination. He's towards the top for block A, and the way the tournament is going, don't be surprised if Ace Austin is the one to win the whole thing. But uh, that is the Power Five this week. Good stuff. It doesn't shock me that Ace Austin is your number one, by the way. He deserves it, though. I mean, he was the oh, one yeah. that deserved it. Yeah. I love your list, by the way. A lot of good stuff. These two segments have been so much fun since we added them. Oh, yeah. Um, something that I definitely look forward to. Sorry, Chloe's opening stuff in the background being loud as shit for no reason. She's a big fan of the uh, segments, too. But anyway, yeah, really good stuff. Ace Austin, definitely worthy of the number one spot. What did you think of uh, David Richards and Homicide making it? I love the fact that you brought up Homicide. I know how much you love Davey Richards, so anything he, anytime he does something newsworthy, I'm like, well, Kyle's definitely going to try and bring it up. But Homicide is a name that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. And um, he's done some really good stuff lately. So, uh, Yeah. And even the other two, Eagles is great, and Tom Nakano is becoming one of the most popular wrestlers, not just in Japan, but in the world. But um, All right, Dylan, so are you ready to move on? Oh, dude, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dylan, it is now time for our top five match types. There has been a lot of different matches throughout wrestling history. It was very difficult to narrow it just to five, but I'm excited to get started. Remember, these do not just have to be like a tables match or a ladder match. This can be any gimmick match by any promotion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Dylan... This time, we're going to say both of our honorable mentions, but you're still going to start with number five. But uh, would you like to say a few honorable mentions? I thought you said we're saving. Oh, no, we're doing it first. Never mind. Yep. Sorry. This was an argument we had beforehand. Not really an argument. It was. It wasn't. We were just talking about it. I'm dramatic. Um, So, yeah, my first honorable mention, something that just missed the cut for me, was the Ultimate X match. This took... The thrills of a ladder match to completely unseen territory. For those who don't know what an Ultimate X match is, if if you don't know, there are tables suspended above the ring, and then a championship, or sometimes it is just a big X, which Mm -hmm. gets you a title shot, basically. Um, It's predominantly used in Impact's X Division, hence the name. And there's scaffolding, not scaffolding, what do you call it? Like the big metal beams? Yeah, yeah. There's there's big beams that have cables suspended above the ring that form an X. And instead of the traditional, hey, climb a ladder and go get the belt, not only do you have to climb whatever these fucking beams are that go from the ring post, now you have to basically crawl or pull yourself across these wires or these ropes to go retrieve whatever prize is above the ring. It was something super unique, and it definitely set TNA at the time, now Impact Wrestling, apart from any wrestling promotion in the world, because no one was doing stuff like that. Uh, So they definitely deserve an honorable mention. Another one that I wanted to bring up is a match that we don't see that often. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've personally seen one since like 2008. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, so correct me. It's the championship scramble. Yeah. This was a concept that on paper was so different and so cool. It wasn't just a five-person first pinfall wins. Let me try and break it down a little bit. There's a time limit. 
and there can be a basically infinite number of pinfalls. If you get a pinfall, you are listed as the current or interim champion, and if you don't get pinned or if no one else gets a pinfall before the time runs out, you become champion. It was something super different. It was it, it better than a, than a six-pack challenge where it's just first pinfall wins. We literally saw Brian Kendrick become interim WWE champion in a match that had Triple H and Jeff Hardy. This was mid-2000s, by the way. This is 2008, so they're both at the top of their game. Yeah. And Brian Kendrick was almost WWE champion. So I think that match also had Jeff hitting a swanton and going for a pin, but he was literally one second too late. Yep. And that's how Triple H retained his WWE championship. Because he was the last one to successfully get a pinfall, so the intensity at the end of the match kept you at the foot of your, or at, at the edge of your seat. Super exciting stuff. So I definitely wanted to bring that up. All right, good stuff there. So my honorable mentions. Um, so my first one is just an elimination style match. I miss these so much. I miss like six man or fatal four way triple threat elimination they don't i don't know why wrestling doesn't do it anymore mm-hmm. i like how you know first guy gets eliminated it goes all the way down the two and then you know just let the best man win i just i don't understand why elimination matches just aren't a thing anymore there's some of the most creative and just the best matches i i just i don't understand why it's not i had to bring it up because i just love elimination style matches so that's my number one another one that i think is going to shock you that didn't make my list is the TLC match. Huh. So the TLC match did not make the cut, but uh, just in, I'm going to say this as well. So the TLC slash ladder match did mm-hmm. not make my list. They're both honorable mentions. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously you, you know what a ladder match is, you know, you yep. set the ladder, you go up, you retrieve the cape, but there's just so many creative things that you can do with a ladder. You know, you can prop them up. You can put wrestlers through it. You can basically anything. Uh, you know, Undertaker and Edge had one of the most greatest TLC matches of all time, especially, uh, was it Cena and Edge in TLC as well? Cena and Edge, yeah. That is one of my favorite matches of all time. Just, just great stuff, especially Edge. God, oh my gosh, he was great in these matches. But TLC is my honorable mention. But, um, Dylan, would you like to go in with number five? Yeah, so um, to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, I might be cheating here. Mm-hmm. But at number five, I'm going to go with the ladder match. Hmm. Reason being is because there's it's you can, you can dumb it down to something as basic as, hey, there's a title, go climb the ladder, go get it. However, we have seen numerous iterations of a ladder match over the years. You mentioned TLC. That counts. It's under the same umbrella. Money in the Bank, which is a ladder match. Um, I mean, there's been so many different forms. Usually a title is on the line, but Money in the Bank is its own unique concept where instead of a title, it's a briefcase. And when you go get the briefcase inside of it, quote unquote, is a contract to challenge for any world championship you want. Um, So with there being so many different branches of a ladder match, I have to put it on the list. I know I'm probably, I'm adding two or three different unique concepts within one, but the ladder match gets five just because of so many different things you can do with it. I thought it was actually going to be your top two. So I'm very surprised that the ladder match is not higher on the list. But I agree. Some of the, uh, 
I mean, the ladder match with NXT, that's going to be saved for another time. Everyone knows that's probably a top three favorite match of mine of all time. Oh, God, that match is fantastic. I actually just watched it the other day. But uh, ladder matches, besides that one, progressively have gotten worse. So that's why it didn't make it, just because, like, if you put a ladder match now and it's not Triple H or Tony Khan being Mm -hmm. in charge, it's just not, like, great. You know what I mean? If it's just a WWE ladder match, it's just not as memorable as they were. That's why they didn't make the list. But um, So, Dylan, my number five. This this match type was, to my knowledge, only used by one company. I'm like 99% sure it was. But the violence and the backstory behind it is so cruel, and I still love it to this day. So my number five is TNA's Monsters Ball Match. The gimmick behind this match was that the wrestlers involved would spend time in the locker room with no lights, bringing out all their anger for this match, this is a business match, and mm-hmm. he's been involved in all but four, I believe. I think there's been 53, and he's been involved in 49 of them. This is an upscale hardcore match. You knew you were going to see wood with nails sticking out of it, trash cans, thumbtacks. We've seen choke slams on the thumbtacks. We've seen Bully Ray put Abyss through a fiery table. The matches we've got, Abyss versus Eric Young, Abyss versus Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. Abyss versus Eli Drake, the <laughs> Wolves versus Decay, another one of my favorite matches of all time. But they were just all fantastic. I love how dark the backstory is and how it translates to the match. So Monsters Ball at number five. Good stuff. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head when you called it Abyss's match. I yeah, mean, you talk about signature match types like you know you often people credit the casket match to the undertaker abyss gets the monsters ball match if you're into hardcore wrestling that's your style of match and tna tried to do anything they could to set themselves apart from wwe in that era so really good stuff all right all right number four number four kyle i will admit my number four used to be my number one okay but over the years it has lost a little bit of its shine but I still look forward to it because I'm a fucking moron. It's the Hell in a Cell match. So, yes. (laughs) It's justified. Yes. So, back in the day, when Hell in a Cell was just a... What you use to blow off a feud, it was a million bucks. They were rare. Sometimes you wouldn't even see them in a calendar year. Um, Sometimes it would be multiple years before you'd see them. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been different iterations. We've seen a triple threat Hell in a Cell. We've seen tag team Hell in a Cell matches. Six man. Six man Hell in a Cell matches. I think it was at Armageddon 2000. Oh, um, God, that there's match been multiple was incredible. forms. If you like cage matches, this is like a cage match on steroids. Not only does the cage surround the ring, it also surrounds the ringside area pretty much, except the announce tables. Um, so there's actually room to go around the ring. You can get weapons under the ring. In its concept, it should be the greatest blow-off match you could ever have. However, WWE has watered it down over the years by giving it its own annual pay-per-view, which was by far the worst thing they could have ever done (laughs) because it made what was once a very highly regarded match into something that, eh, was that worth the sell? Was that feud? Was that match worth it? You didn't no. used to think that. 
You know, yeah, when, know. when Triple H and Undertaker went at it at WrestleMania 28, granted that was in the, the annual pay-per-view era, but it was still a rare occasion off of that Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, that deserved it. Mm-hmm. When Shawn Michaels and Undertaker back in the 90s, the first Hell in a Cell match happened, that was worth it. Yep. Um, we saw DX take on the McMahons and Big Show in a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, it was kind of cartoony. and But it deserved it. And, but, yeah, it was, it was the biggest feud at the time in WWE, yeah. so it deserved it. Um, did <laughs> Xavier Woods need to wrestle against Bobby Lashley? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, now... Uh... Hopefully, WWE sticks to their guns as of right now, as of this recording. For the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, there was only one Cell match announced, and that match is worthy of it. I hope they don't fuck it up. If I only if, if we only get one Hell in a Cell match, fine. and if, it, if it's Cody and Seth, that's fine with me. We'll probably get a second one, but they just have to tread lightly on what they put in the Cell. But... For nostalgia purposes and how much I look forward to it every year, despite the last few being bad, I got to go Hell in a Cell at four. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Hell in a Cell was probably in my top three for some time, but mm-hmm. over the years, it used just, to be my favorite. Used to be my favorite lost, match. It's lost everything. Like um, a lot of people don't remember this, but Dylan actually gave his WWE pay per view of the year to Hell in a Cell last year, <laughs> and he quote unquote loved. Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Was the match fine? But was it worth loving it? Debatable. But I don't remember I, this. I know where Dylan's coming from, though. Um, Triple H versus Mick Foley, or Great. I guess Mankind. Oh, uh, God, dude. That, that Undertaker versus Mankind. And Undertaker versus Mankind. Probably the most memorable Hell in a Cell match. Yep. Um, just because of that one spot with him uh, going through the and announce I think table. That was, that was only like the second or third one. I could be wrong, but that yep. was early. That was very early. Edge, Undertaker. Great. Uh, the the six man were Kurt, Kurt Angle won that, right? I believe so, yeah. Uh, and then Rikishi took the spot onto the truck. Dude, it, it was just... It used to be so fun and so great, but mm-hmm. since they took a lot of the violence away from it, it's just lost its groove. Well, now, well, now it's a, it's literally a spot on the calendar, which yeah. has definitely taken a bit away. That being said, there have been some really good Hell in a Cell matches since they've made that move. Um, Alberto, Cena, and Punk had a great Hell in a Cell match, a triple threat for the title. I mentioned Taker and uh, Triple H. Granted, that was at WrestleMania, but that was in that era. Mm-hmm. That was still great. Um, so we've seen good versions of it, but overall, the last decade, when you make it a spot on the calendar, it's just not as fun and anymore. The stories just aren't as good for yeah. it. You know what I mean? So, but Cody and Seth are about to tear the house down, and I'm super excited to see it. Yeah, and then you're also going to see uh, Corbin versus Madcap. But anyway. In, inside the South. Yeah. Oh, my God, as the main event. Oh, dude, I cry. I'd, anyway. I'd leave. <laughs> I'd leave. I'd drive back to Indy right then and there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so my number four. Dylan, my number four is a match that I wish was still used today because it produced some of the most memorable matches in this company's history. <sighs> This is going to get me a lot of shit, but I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Dylan, my number four is TNA's King of the Mountain match. Hmm. This was not just a ladder match. It had rules. 
the wrestlers could only have access to win the match if scoring a pin, while the wrestlers who got pinned had to be put in a penalty box for a few minutes. Instead of grabbing the title, the stipulation would be the wrestler would have to basically hang the belt up there, being (laughs) named King of the Mountain. I know this sounds confusing, but Dylan, that is what I love about it. I like how complex it was, and there's just so much strategy. When should you go for a pin? Should you do it early but risk, you know, two or three guys coming at you at once? Or should you do it later when everyone's down, get the quick pin, then go right up when, you know, a couple guys might be in the penalty box or just exhausted from the match? You know, there's just so much strategy. But I just thought it was brilliant. I I loved what was going on. There's so much going on, and I just loved the chaos from it. Guys like Jeff Jarrett, McFoley, Raven, AJ Styles have all been in this match. And in my opinion, this is also one of the most underrated match types of all time. So TNA's King of the Mountain is my number four. <sighs> That's good stuff. Okay, number three. Good stuff. Number three, Kyle. Oh, boy. Number three. Oh, are you going to comment on King of the Mountain? It's a very okay. It's definitely controversial. It is. Um, is I, I, I almost put it in my three. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those matches where it's like you either love it or you hate it. Like there's yeah. no in between. I've never, I've never met someone or like talked wrestling with someone. Like, yeah, you know the King of the Mountain match was all right. No, you either love it or you don't because it is very unique. Um, it's basically a reverse ladder match. Yeah, Can I call it that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that'd be probably the best that I could call. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right. You ready for? Yep. Okay. Number three. Number three. This is a fun match. And, again, it is a match that usually gets an annual pay-per-view or did. At one point, I don't think it necessarily does anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, I just talked about Hell in a Cell. This is in that same family. However, it is unique in its own way it's lethal lockdown that almost made my list <laughs> lethal lockdown so let me break this down for those who don't know what lethal lockdown is um it starts as just a basic steel cage right yep. however at a certain point in the match a roof gets put onto the cage so you can't actually really escape it now we have seen moments where guys have escaped and have ended up on top of that roof and there's weapons, there's tables, there's stuff like strapped to the roof, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Am I crazy? Yeah, yeah so yep. there's there's weapons involved. Once the roof gets put down, then it's basically all go. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, when the match starts, you can't get outside the ring. It's not like a Hell in a Cell where you have free roam of the outside. So it's basically just a steel cage match. Then this roof drops, and now everyone has weapons. Uh, so it's very unique in its own way. Uh, but Lethal Lockdown, TNA always came up with some really unique stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lethal Lockdown gets my number three. Lethal Lockdown was good. I just prefer King of the Mountain just because of how unique well, that, that was. Well, that, like, that was like TNA's thing. Yeah. Like th- those two matches, like those were their ways. That and the Ultimate X, I guess you could say those three. Yeah. That was their way of trying to stand out. They're like, we're going to that- do a reverse ladder match. We're going to have a cage with a roof that gets put on at a random moment. But that doesn't, 
that doesn't take away from how no. great Lethal Lockdown was. Oh, dude, there They're used great. to be phenomenal matches in Lethal Lockdown. I remember. And it's so unique. Yeah, and it's usually not just a one-on-one match. It's usually like a three-on-three, four-on-four. Like, this is kind of your blow-off of team-against-team, winner-take-all kind of thing. So that, that also made it a little unique. It was always multi-man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff there. All right, so uh, Dylan, my number three. This is another match I wish was still utilized more because this is a match that essentially also ends a feud in one of the most violent ways to do so possible. So, Dylan, my number three is the first blood match. This is pretty straightforward. Make your opponent bleed to win the match. This is a very interesting match type because you can't really wrestle your style. You just have to go for the head, really. Uh, Sure, you can use an arm bar to ground them, but knowing the attack point, I love seeing wrestlers use weapons and beating the absolute crap out of each other. Eddie Edwards beat Killer Cross at Slammiversary a few years ago in a first blood match that ruled. Another great one was John Cena defeating JBL at One Night Stand in 2008, I believe. Uh, The match is simple, but knowing the target and continuing to beat the same part of the body the entire match, still very unique. I love it. Number three's first blood. I like that. Definitely not a match you're going to see a ton nowadays with no. more safety concerns and, and head injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the first blood match usually result because, you know, obviously you can bust open the hard way, and that's normally what you see guys do now. Yeah. Um, but that match also kind of constituted blading a yes. whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, which has now been a huge, like, no-no in wrestling you're not supposed to forcefully make yourself bleed if it happens it happens kind of thing wwe hates the sight of blood oh yeah oh yeah um so that you know for storyline purposes i remember kane and and stone cold had a first blood match and i think kane won it i think that was the first one yeah wasn't it like austin's elbow blood or something yeah like it wasn't necessarily like and, and and that also added to the uniqueness of it is it wasn't just uh well make your opponent's forehead bleed it was like well if they fall awkwardly on the steps and they get a cut on their leg hey you win but most were from the head though. yes most of them were from the head which also again for story purposes led to blading yeah. a whole lot so definitely a controversial choice but still like ramped up the intensity yeah. of a match is it's not just go get a pinfall or make the guy tap out or, you know, climb this ladder to get that championship. It's like, fuck it. You got to make that guy bleed. That's the only way you're going to win. Yeah. Definitely ramped up the intensity. All right. So good stuff. for oh. number three. So Dylan nitty gritty, number two, number two, it's an I quit match. Okay. Um, we've seen many promotions do versions of this. Obviously the basis of it is simple. It's different than a pinfall. It's different than just making your guy tap out. You have to make them verbally submit to you. You have to make them verbally quit, um, which is a somewhat humiliating thing. The reason why this isn't number one, Kyle, as much as I like the match itself, faces always win. Yeah, I know. This is, this is an easy way to make a heel look like a coward Yeah. at, at the end of it. Um, and if you put John Cena in an I quit match, you know he's not losing. That's his gimmick. Because <laughs> Cena's gimmick is literally never give up. Yeah. Um, someone should, however, book that. Have it, have it go the other way. Make Cena quit. But anyway, um, so that kept it from the number one spot. However, it's still fun. Um, 
some of it has been a little tamed down, but we've gotten some really cool moments out of an I Quit match. Remember Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy at Backlash 09, where Jeff's yeah. on top of the ladder and Matt's basically pleading and begging. He's like, I love you. We're, we're, we're brothers. And then he quits thinking Jeff's going to forgive him. And then Jeff's, fuck it. I'm still putting you through this table. Uh, um, I watched Cena throw Batista off of a car through the stage. Um, what's another good one? Cena, was, Cena's in a lot of them. Wasn't it I quit with him and uh, Kali where he did Kali through the stage? No, was, was that, that, was, that, that was a last man standing match. That was uh, at, um, I think, Extreme Rules. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, that was a last man standing. Another fun match, too. Maybe a little honorable mention. But I quit at two just because it's such a humiliating way to beat somebody. You got to basically just say I'm better than you. Um, yeah. And if you're the loser, dang, that sucks. But um, number two, I, I like the I like the I quit match. It's just very predictable. That's why it wasn't mm-hmm. considered from my list. But that's uh, why I took it off of number one for me anyway. But yep. I still love the match, so it still made the list. Absolutely. So my number two, growing up, this was a top three favorite match type, and it's, it's still to this day even number two now. When done properly, this could be one of the most physical but fun matches in wrestling. Dylan, this is going to be a shocker. Okay. My number two is the stretcher match. Hmm. This was a no pin or submission match. The only way to win is to basically knock your opponent so he you could throw the stretcher, push the stretcher to the back of the stage, yeah. and then you know you essentially win from there. Part of so part of me does not want this to come back because nowadays WWE would just make a big joke of it. But I just loved the purpose. I loved how Matt and Jeff Hardy used the stretchers as weapons a lot in their match. It was just a breath of fresh air because of how unique it is. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen Rey Mysterio versus Finley, their stretcher match, please do. That was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I love matches that can end feuds, and this is certainly one. So the stretcher match is my number two. Stretcher match and ambulance match have similar concepts in the sense that you, for like an ambulance match, it's put your opponent inside an ambulance and shut the door, stretcher match, push it up the stage. Um, I like the stretcher match a little more because not only is it, you know, like you said, just beat them up, put them on the stretcher and, but usually a ramp is an incline. So it's also a test of strength too, stamina of, can he actually do it? Um, Remember Jeff tried to do a swanton and Matt moved and he landed flush on the stretcher. Yeah. So you could do some really cool, unique things. I also saw Jeff Hardy surf down it. That was, <laughs> was that in their stretcher match or was that at a mania when he surfed think, down the stretcher? That was, uh, that was in that match, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a unique, um, a unique weapon too. Like yeah. I said, you can use it as a fucking surfboard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one. All right, so number one times. Dylan, what is your favorite match type of all time? My number one shouldn't come as a shock too much. Um, if you see how I break down pay-per-views, there's a certain stat that I always like to bring up. Um, Kylie probably know what I'm talking about. Yep. My number one is an Iron Man match. Hmm. So... The thing that I was talking about with pay-per-views is every time I break down a pay-per-view, I always try to see how long the match went. With an Iron Man match, they're usually at an hour. 
We've seen bangers over the years. Um, Triple H and The Rock, I believe at 2000, did, a, did an Iron Man match. Obviously, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels is probably the most famous one. Cena Orton had a good one. Cena Orton had a really good one. Theirs was like a car crash fest. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Hart and Michaels, it was technical wrestling. Mm-hmm. The thing about an Iron Man match is if when the clock strikes zero and no one has scored a pinfall or a submission, you get overtime. Yeah. Because <laughs> someone has to win. So there is no draw in this match usually. I have seen some Iron Man matches, both on the indies and mainstream stuff, where I believe they have gone to a draw. That's just to further a storyline. To me, an Iron Man match should end the storyline. It's not only – it's like an I quit match where it's like, hey, I'm better than you to a whole different level because it's about stamina. It's about, hey, I went longer than you did kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, this has spawned a generation of wrestler that I, we're, we're currently in right now, the Iron Man of wrestling basically. Um, you and I watched a match where uh, Josh Alexander and um, uh, Yehi. It wasn't an Iron Man match, but it went 60 minutes. So it's yeah. definitely put wrestlers to the test as far as stamina. That's where you mm-hmm. get the Danielsons who can put on 45, 50 minute matches with no issue. Uh, Punk used to do it in the early 2000s, maybe not as much now. He's a little older. Um, it's, it's, dawned a new breed of wrestler where it's about not necessarily hey i'm i'm big look at all the muscles i have it was about stamina and that's where a lot of those smaller wrestlers um succeeded is they could go longer than the bigger guys Mm -hmm. um it's just a way for someone to show off their technical wrestling ability it's also a no dq match as you saw with orton and cena where you could also try and fucking kill each other yeah um so you had that stipulation added to it where anything goes. It's just, hey, get more pins or tap outs or whatever than the other guy within one hour. My last point before you get to your one is how many TV matches do we see barely go 10 minutes? Yeah. How many pay-per-views barely go 25? So the fact that you're booking a match where you have to go a full hour, like, it's it's not seen a whole lot. So whenever one of the big promotions busted out, it's usually a big deal. Mm-hmm. But um, Iron Man at number one. I do love Iron Man matches. Um, there's another, I guess, not stipulation, but there's a thing called um, the Ultimate Submission Match, which is yep. basically an Iron Some... Man match, but it's just submissions. Mm-hmm. So I love Ultimate Submission. I wish they'd bring that back as well. Yeah, but you can um... you can put that under the same umbrella. Uh, yeah, umbrella absolutely. very similar to the ladder match where I did TLC and Money in the Bank. So, yeah, I guess you could say Ultimate Submission slash Iron Man is my number one. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, so my number one, if you know me very well, you probably know this answer. Um, but I, I just wanted to save it. I, I haven't said it really on the show. I don't even know if I've said it to Dylan in years. One of the most unique matches ever. When you see this on the card, you instantly are excited for it because you'll see some that you have never seen before. Uh, the first time I saw it, I knew it would be the top of my favorite list forever. This is actually something that Dylan has recently said in his list. My favorite match type of all time is TNA's Ultimate X match. Two cables connected to the metal structures, like Dylan said, uh, rising from the four corners of the ring. 15 feet above the middle of the ring. Uh, Don Callis 
was actually the one to create this match. Hmm. So I'm glad he did because the matches we have gotten are some of my all-time favorites. There's no need for ladders. You just climb the beams, scale the wires, and get the title or the X, whatever's there. My favorite thing about this match is that there's there's no limits. You can literally do anything, and all the possibilities are endless. There's nothing like Ultimate X. We've had two guys get it at the same time. We've had Chris Saban dropkick Styles all the way off from the floor or all the way from the top to the floor. AJ Diamond Cutter Daniels from the top of the wires to the floor. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we've seen Fosbury flops. It's just the most innovative match in wrestling history. I'm I'm so excited for the one at the upcoming anniversary in, uh, in June. I just love this match so much. So, Ultimate X is my number one. Yeah, it's it, so much fun to watch. They also don't do them super often, so it still holds that that like special feeling whenever like like you said when you hear one announced you're like oh my god i have to watch it yeah um because unlike some of the other matches where we talked about you know hell in a cell being the biggest one where it happens every year it lost its luster almost yeah ultimate x hasn't lost its luster because they don't always do them it's not a routine thing and the ones that we've gotten have been so good oh um, god so many massive moments that match um I, I it almost made my list so i definitely wanted to bring it up and it makes me very happy that not only did it make your list but it's also your favorite match okay no, nothing could beat ultimate X. you can't go wrong with that with that match i i don't think i've ever watched a bad one no there's never been a bad one there have been some better than others but that's every match but even the one last year dylan when josh alexander won in mm-hmm. east austin he jumped from one side of the ring to the other and landed outside the ring. Like there, there's yeah. just so many good moments. And gosh, speaking of Ace Austin, good, good. Could, could you imagine Ace Austin versus a prime AJ Styles? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I would take Ace Austin versus now AJ Styles too. He yeah, can still that would be. Oh yeah, but <laughs> in an Ultimate X with uh, Prime AJ. Oh, dude, stop it. Prime but, Christopher uh, Daniels and like Prime Bobby Roode and Kazarian. Oh, dude, stop. Anyway, uh, Ultimate X is my favorite. Um, so, Ultimate X in the Iron Man match are uh, Dylan and I's favorite, respectively. Um, Dylan, I want to get one thing before we move on. Out of the somewhat popular, I don't want that. I don't want one that uh, has happened once or twice. Give me your least favorite match type that is semi-popular. That is semi. Well, see, you kind of you kind of lost me when you said semi-popular. Yeah. Because so, like, one that you still see to this day. And they, and there's been at least ten. A steel cage match. Just yeah, a basic like old steel. Now, granted, look, I had Lethal Lockdown and Hell in a Cell. They are forms of cage matches, but they're unique yeah. in their own way. Don't give me a regular-ass steel cage match. Like, that's boring to me. <laughs> I well, don't care about them. And well, I guess if you're Jeff Hardy and do the uh, whisper in the wind on the yes. Umaga, well, because like, because like, my thought is, is like, hey, this feud is so bad, we need to put them in a cage. You have Hell in a Cell right in your lap, and you pick a steel cage match. That's stupid. I hey, hate I it. don't want, I don't want to hear it, Dylan. Uh, I I did hear rumor that Omos and Bobby in the steel cage one of your favorite match of all time. But my my <laughs> my so my least favorite. Is the lumberjack match? I, I oh yeah, damn yeah. lumber. There's just no point. 
you know the Lumberjacks are going to get involved one way or the other. There's just there's no point for it. Just put them in a cage match, essentially. Mm-hmm. You don't need the people outside the ring. I cannot stand yep. Lumberjack matches. So that yeah, is definitely like, my least favorite. <laughs> those two matches alone, like, we found loopholes around the whole goal. So, like, a Lumberjack match, it's like, well, you got to keep them together. No <laughs> one can run from each other. All right, why don't you put them in a cage? Yeah. Like like you said, or like me, where it's, oh, this feud's so bad, brother. We need, to, <coughs> we need to put them in a steel cage. It's like, why not put them in the 20-foot roofed one where they could beat the shit out of each other with weapons? You're going to put that hollowed-out one? Like, that's stupid. I know. it's they're, they're, they're like the same concept, but it's like there's clearly a better version of what we could do here. So why don't we just do that instead? Lumberjack match is so stupid. I cannot stand <laughs> those matches. <laughs> I'm actually really surprised you did not say the Lumberjack match. But uh, it almost made number one, actually. I take that back. This um this definitely was probably one of my favorite episodes we have done. I've been looking hey, Kyle, forward to real this quick. For a long time. Yep. Lumberjacks aren't always just wrestlers. We did have zombies once. Oh yeah, that's I. I got a text from Dylan today. He said that that's number four of his favorite match of all time. But <laughs> <laughs> so spoiler alert: when we do that episode, <laughs> when we do that episode, Dylan's gonna, number four is a zombie match between right. uh, Priest and Miz. But um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, don't uh, have anything else before we move on. Dude, I've been looking forward to getting to my dummy moment <laughs> for this week since you basically spoiled half of it. I didn't mean to, but let's go to the dummy moment. Dylan's very excited about it. All right. So, um, <laughs> this, goes, <laughs> this goes to both WWE and AEW. Yep. I think it's the first time we've ever given a dummy moment to both, but I'm doing it. Dude, you give an AEW three in a row. I'm proud of you, man. Uh, yeah. Hey, I told you, like, I, I love me some AEW. Probably my favorite promotion of today. Oh, he's one a of. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. All right. They do some dumb shit. And I like pointing it out. So uh, Tony I'm going to talk about it, too, at the end. But go on. Tony Khan goes on Twitter. And he says, I'm, I'm going to read the tweet word for word. He sent out two tweets, actually. Okay. Yesterday was. <laughs> Yesterday was one of my favorite days, including great visits with fan and media, a trip to L.A. for the most fulfilling meeting of my life. Um, he tagged some company. I'm sorry. Oh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Okay. He had a, he had a meeting with Warner Brothers Discovery. Yep. Uh, dinner with my dad and Dana White, where I got to break the news to Dana that Money in the Bank is moving to the MGM Grand Arena. Genius move trying to take on Dana and the UFC in Vegas during International Fight Week. See Rampage tonight. <laughs> Why does WWE live rent-free in this man's head? Dude, there's I, so many wrestlers that do too. Look at Punk. Your, your company, dare I say, <laughs> is so much better than them. You have yeah. the better roster, I think, as far as talent. Like now, WWE... Yeah. Well, WWE never had a Kenny Omega on their roster. I'm so. Oh wait, they did, and they let him walk to AEW, and that's Brian Danielson. And Johnny Gargano's uh, not bad either. Yes. So you have the better roster. You have the better company. You have the most popular company. I get WWE gets more viewers, but they're on bigger networks, and most of their attendance is nine year old kids. Yeah. So everyone, it's WWE has become a family event. 
where it's like, oh, WWE's in town. Let's go take the fan to go see him. Wrestling fans go to AEW. So you have the better promotion. You have the better demographic. Why are you letting them live rent-free in your head, man? I know. (laughs) And let's talk about the other point that he made in that tweet (laughs) is that WWE for a year has promoted Money in the Bank at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders. And then ticket sales were not as good as they hoped. And they had to move to a much smaller arena. Yep. What makes this move even weirder is, like I said, it was promoted last year. Mm-hmm. So you had almost a full year to sell this thing out. Um, it was announced at SummerSlam, which was also in Allegiant Stadium. They were like, hey, in July, we're coming here with Money in the Bank. So you had a full year to promote. You failed at it. But you already ran the commercial of Cody Rhodes inside Allegiant Stadium. Like, what yeah. do they do now? I, I think it's just it was just a bad move. I love the Money in the Bank match, but you and I have said numerous times it doesn't does not deserve its own pay per view. It needs to be the opener of WrestleMania, which is where it belongs, what it deserves. It's a B pay per view, right? Well, now it's C or D. So why put it in a stadium? I know. It's... Where they just started putting SummerSlam in, by the way. Yeah. That's been around since the 80s. Yep. I just think it was a bad move by WWE to even try it. Mm-hmm. Vegas is a great market. It's still going to be there. But yep. also, Tony Khan needs to get Vince Vince's cock out of his mouth. Because, like, he is just... He lets that man live rent-free in his head, and it's funny to me. Well, now, I, I 100% agree. Um, at least... Um... At least as someone has, uh, at least you have uh, Tony Cock, uh, Tony's cock in Tony. your mouth. But, <laughs> oh, but, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I'm with it. He he needs to just forget about it and just listen to his fans, run his own promotion. As far as WWE, two things. Mm-hmm. One, I think most of it is because ticket prices were so high. Yep, well, some it's a of it was like four to five thousand mm-hmm. dollars per ticket. You're not going to sell all that. And another thing, the matches just aren't as good and the writing's awful. Like, the, the product now is just, it's just not that good. Mm-hmm. And look at who won last year. Two joke characters. So uh, how are we going to make this better by selling, what, 65,000 tickets? We could have a superhero and a guy that dresses up as a baby wing. <laughs> so how are we going to sell this match to the public eye? So, I, I think it's just WWE's way of just not saying they fucked up, but they did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. By the but. way, WWE, to my knowledge, as of right now, has not released, like, a press release about this. Yeah. It was announced by, I believe, like, Ticketmaster. Yeah. It was, well, Tony Khan also putting it on fucking Twitter, but I think it was like (laughs) fans got alerted that the night was canceled or something, and it was being moved to a different arena. So you can't even, like, they can't even let people keep their tickets because, one, they're two different places, two very different price points. So everyone got refunded their tickets, Mm -hmm. and they were given, like, codes to be, like, the first available to purchase tickets at the arena. 
Well, how many fans do you think are going to be like, no, fuck this company. You couldn't fill the football stadium. I'm definitely not going to help you fill this tiny arena. Yeah. Like, how many so. people yeah. people might just take their money back and just say, nah, I guess we're not going to WWE on July 2nd. That's their own vault. And now WWE has, what, um, what did I say, July 2nd? So you have just barely over a month to try to and fill this. that place out. Well, booking just it, book they, the whole show. Yeah, well, booking it, they probably aren't the plan, but also, like, that's now that they, were, they promoted three stadium st- shows in a row, and now you took one of them away. So now you only get two, so you lost that. I've looked at some betting odds, and uh, Cody's up there, Theory's up there, Drew's up there, and another interesting name, Matt Cat Moss, was also stop, in the top five. Stop! So I, I just want to put that out there that Matt no. Cat is at the top of the. If he's in the match, he's winning. So you better hope he does not qualify. Anyway, so my dummy MO in the week goes also down to WWE. So reported by Andrew Zarian, apparently someone high up in the company expressed doubt about Stephanie McMahon's ability to fill her obligations in certain aspects of her executive job, particularly when it comes to advertising and sponsorship. Here's what we know. When it comes to charity work, there's no one that does it better than Stephanie. She is phenomenal at it. She's bringing the WWE name to these charitable events. Isn't that advertising and marketing right there? It seems to me that there is more to the Stephanie story than what was reported. And if you want my opinion, I think Vince wants Nick Khan to be comfortable in all aspects of the job, getting mm-hmm. experience in her role, and will get him prepared, you know, for him to take over the company, what he does. Again, it's my opinion, but it just seems to me like there's heat on Stephanie. I don't know if it's about Triple H and NXT. I don't know what it is. I just think there's more to this story. I, I hope mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I hope it's just Stephanie taking time off. It was just so sudden that I just think Vince wants uh, Nick Khan maybe to take over quicker than we think. Yeah. I mean, it, I hate to, like, use the term jealousy because, like, it's such a dirty term when you describe yeah. someone. But do you think there may be from, like, the family of, yeah. like, since Nick Khan's been put in, like, he's he's better to run the company than Stephanie is? He's better fit than Triple H? Like, Shane, like, you got to think the people who are actually, like, his family, his kids, are kind of going, like, well, we've been with you for this long. This guy showed up a week ago. Why are you giving him everything we should have? Yeah. So maybe, like, do you think from her point of view, I hate, again, you hate to use the term, but maybe she feels a little, like, wronged or jealous of, like, no, well, then fuck it. Like, I'm not going to bust my ass for something I'm not going to get. And, you know, Triple so, H, like, he so lost like, everything. Gonna, yeah, so, like, I'm going to take time off, and I'm going to, you know, do what's most important to me, and that's, you know, be a good mother and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't I, know. I think, I think there's more to it, like you said. It's just a dumb story. It, Nick Khan is just, oh, God. Remember, Nick it, Khan was upset that NXT wasn't doing the numbers that AEW was, even though they were only losing by, like, what, a couple thousand a week at times? Yeah, well, now they're losing by 400. And they were... Still, like Kyle's been on record numerous times saying, still the best wrestling show despite oh, Dynamite taking off. I mean, off. Dylan, you said it. You said 16 20 weeks they were the best. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't I don't understand. And, um, but it, it's WWE. They always make the wrong decision, and it's just how it goes. But, Dylan, would you like to tell everyone what we're doing next week and then get us out of here? Yes. Yeah, so, with AEW running their double or nothing pay per view, as this will actually come out tonight but tomorrow, 
for us. Um, we're going to break down everything that happened at the show. So, as of right now, I believe there are 11 matches announced. Uh, in- incorrect. What is it? There's 13 with one on the buy-in. Yes. So, wh- what? Yes. Okay, uh, so there's so, so you say 14 total? Uh, no, well, there's there's 12 on the show, then one the buy-in. Oh, so okay. 13. Um, they, they added O'Reilly and Darby. Uh, Dylan, can you tell me the feud on that one? And then they also added... Uh, <laughs> Scorpio. <laughs> they also added Scorpio <laughs> and Patreon Zant versus Sammy and uh, and uh, what, what's her name? Take on nobody cares about. And Dylan, can you also tell me the backstory behind that uh, Jade and Anna J? <laughs> <laughs> the way you went on that run at the <laughs> anyway. So double or nothing. We got about thirteen matches to break down. So tune in for that. Dodge. <laughs> uh, so Dylan. This is one thing, before we go, I want to say, this is one thing that I totally miss about NXT. NXT fit everything to five, six matches. Granted, they didn't have the shows, you know, the two shows or, you know, the the time that AEW has. Yes. It it makes everything just more digestible. And it just makes the matches go, you know, to its extent. If they go its extent, you're going to be there watching it tomorrow for six hours. And Mm -hmm. I'm not interested enough. And to be honest... There's, I'm interested in the Jericho Appreciation Society. I'm interested in the tag match. MJF is kind of intriguing, but it's pretty obvious, I think, where they're going with that. And I want to see Serena Deeb. And yep. I think that's it. I don't care about the main event. I don't yeah. care about it at all. So they have not done. I, I like where the story where they did on this promo this Wednesday, they should have done five weeks ago for me to care about it. So I, I just. I don't care about it at all. I don't really care for CM Punk in this role, like being shoved down her throats, but it is WWE. You know, he brings in a lot of revenue, so I can't really blame him that way, but it's AEW, and uh, we're going to react to it next week, and uh, we're going to have a lot of things to react to in the next uh, couple weeks. So uh, don't deserve. After that, we're doing Hell in a Cell, right? Yes. Like back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Uh, Well, um, Dylan, we might have about five or six in a row. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dylan, is there anything else before we head out? Um, no, I'm really looking forward to Double or Nothing. Kyle's drinking more Haterade as usual. And then um, hopefully my uh, investment on Hell in a Cell tickets was worth it in two weeks. We'll find oh, out. It won't be. Um, so, Dylan, I'm going to head out. Would you just like to tell the people the, the backstory behind Darby Allen versus Kyle Riley? Um, Anyway, take care, folks. (laughs) We'll see you next week. All right, brother.